Hey everybody, welcome to the Beautiful Shifts podcast. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Chantel. We're so excited to share with you some inspiring stories. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Now it's easier to walk I can see the road before me I am not afraid to fall Welcome to the podcast today. We have Janet Mumford with us. And I got connected um, with Janet through my brother-in-law, Jake. So you went to high school with Jake, right? Yeah, we did. Okay, so he uh, he said, he reached out and said, um, Janet has an amazing story and... Um, I think you should be so good for your podcast and it's almost exactly, you know, our theme of, you know, seeing beauty after hard things. And I've, Janet got in a very serious, um, skydiving accident. And so we're going to talk about that and her recovery from that. And I've read some of your, um, Facebook posts and stuff and you're very inspiring. And so I do think that there will be such a great story of just perseverance and strength and, fighting through hard things. So we're excited to have you today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks. Okay. Janet Mumford is a 43 year old mom of two adult kids. Her life almost came to a halt one day that will forever be defined as life before and after her skydiving accident, learning patience and resilience through adversity while trying to gain back what you once had is a challenge, but using those exact things to motivate her, she rebuilt what she once had and grew more than she ever thought possible. She currently works as a full-time dental hygienist and a part-time online health and fitness coach. So thanks. That was an awesome recap of what we're going to talk about. So I'm excited. (laughs) Yeah. So, and are you in Idaho? Do you live in Idaho? Yeah. I live in Twin Falls. Oh, Twin Falls. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And then do your adult children live near you or are they? So my daughter, she's 22. She lives with me here in Twin Falls. She's kind of gone in and out of home. She's gone to college for a year and then come back. And then she went to Texas this last summer and came back. So, um, it's nice to have her close. My son just moved to Arizona at the beginning of this year. So he's enjoying the warm weather while we're out here freezing. (laughs) We were just talking about that. Like I am just needing some sun. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's been so cold. Yeah. That's what he tells me. He's like, it's 64 degrees here. Like you be quiet. (laughs) Yeah, is, is Twin Falls as cold as Idaho Falls? Or is it similar to No, Twin Falls isn't as cold as Idaho Falls. Yeah, <laughs> so, Idaho Falls is hard. Yeah, it's yeah windy we're usually like 10 and... degrees, 10 degrees warmer, usually. Yeah, oh, so you're probably more like Utah. That's what it yeah. seems to always be. Yeah, mm. similar. Yeah. That's good. All right. Well, do you have a fun or interesting fact or story to share about yourself that can kind of get to help us know you a little bit better? So I was, I was thinking about this question, um, and this, the story that I'm going to tell you is going to kind of seem unrelated, but it it kind of will wrap back around, um, later, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. I was, I've always been a very independent person. My mom, um, would always tell you that my, my saying every time when I was little was, you know, any, anytime anybody would try and help me, it was like, no, me do it. No, I'll do it myself. (laughs) So to this day, my independence still frustrates her, but, um, and many people around me. So, um, my mom will like to say, or people around me will like to say that I'm stubborn. I like to change that to, I'm very determined. (laughs) So, Yeah. yeah. So when, um, anyway, that's kind of my big story. I would walk around and my grew up on kind of a cattle farm. My grandpa was a, a cattle farmer 
and we mm-hmm. would walk around all the time, you know, playing outside, playing in his trucks. And I would always have my hands in my, in my pockets. And my mom would always tell me, take your hands out. And of course I would say, no, I'll do You know, I'll do that if I want to. And so needless to say with that story, I would always fall. My hands were in my pockets. I would always fall, smack my chin. So for years growing up, I had these skinned, <laughs> skinned chin, oh. uh, elementary school pictures. So oh, anyway, so cute. Cause you yeah. did not want to take your hands out of your pockets. <laughs> no. Like your mom said, <laughs> yeah. to catch yourself. that's cute. Yeah. That's yeah. Cute. yeah. So oh. very into, yeah. Independent. That's yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. I do very feel like from what we know, yeah, that trait I'm sure helped a lot later. So yeah. 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 Is there anything you want to share before we get into, you know, kind of this, the skydiving accident, um, about your growing up or, you know, your childhood your background, or background yeah. information? Um, you know, I, I don't know that there's necessarily a lot to, before I get into that story, you know, there's kind of, there's kind of a couple stories that lead up to that, that got me to a place where I feel like I was really ready to handle that situation. Um, do you want me to kind yeah, of let's get yeah, into, that. into that? Okay. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. I had been, um, uh, I'd been divorced for 10 years. But I, after I got divorced, you know, my kids were really little after I got divorced, I got into this relationship, you know, shortly after that. And it was an eight year long relationship that was just this up and down all over the place, um, relationship. And so, and towards the end of that relationship, things got just, we realized that we weren't good for each other. And so the benefit of that is we had started kind of going to counseling together and that led me to doing counseling on my own where I started working through some of my issues that, that I didn't even realize that I had. It just kind of put me on a, on a healing journey and in a place mentally that I was getting better. Um, you know, I, I started working through some of the things that I had gone through when I was little. I, there was like a, just a personal incident when I was seven years old and then, when I was 12 years old, my cousin that I was like my best friend that I did everything with, she died and I was with her and kind of just some of those things Mm -hmm. that you realize that you didn't really work through that kind of manifest themselves later in life. Um, that counseling helped me work through that, which got me to the point where I was able to become a better person. So when, when this accident happened in October of 2020, I was in the best place that I would, could be physically and mentally to handle that. Wow. wow. Yeah. I do think that's important. You know, like if we're always working on our mental health and physical health so that when these things arise, you know, it's, yeah. can help us get through and have the strength to yeah, absolutely. push through. And yeah, yeah that's awesome. Absolutely. Cause that's a lot of work, you know, tackling those hard childhood things and you know, you think if you hadn't done the therapy and stuff, if all that would have come up through recovery, like who knows what other roadblocks you would have faced mentally, but it's really cool that you were strong and in that spot. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing. I think the mental part is, is just huge for anybody. You know, I think that that's why, why it's great that you guys are doing a podcast like this because, you know, it gets that information out there that it doesn't have to be a big deal and we can work through things slowly and we can work through things as we get older. It doesn't have to be right away. So I think this is great. Yeah, I think that that's come up a lot as, you know, different ways. Well, the whole purpose is to share stories so people don't feel alone or they have some sort of resource um, to turn to. Like, okay, this person 
has gone through something so hard. It's not even the same thing as mine, but I can do it too. I can go through right. my hard thing too. Or, right. And just the tools that people have that you may have gotten from therapy before, but also the tools you probably built during the whole healing yeah. process of your injuries yeah. that can help a lot of people for all different types of life things and transitions. <laughs> life and... lessons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And just your like being a single mom and you know, all those years. And I'm sure that built a lot of mental strength and just showing yourself, you know, that you could do it and stuff. I think that I always just admire that a lot. So that's really yeah, cool. I, you know, I always feel like I've been really lucky. Their dad was always around and he was very helpful and we have a good relationship. So I'm very lucky that way. And I had mm. a lot of really great people around me that, that were super helpful too. That's good. That's so, awesome. Yeah. All right. Then maybe you could tell us about, so how did you maybe get into skydiving and what yeah. was your draw to that? So, you know, a lot of people think that, that you get into some of these sports because you are this adrenaline junkie and that you, you know, you want all these things. That's not what got me into it at all. I was dating this guy who um, was a skydiver to become a base jumper. And, you know, for the longest time he would ask me, just go into a tandem, just go into a tandem. And I was like, I said, no, why would I do that? Why would I jump out of a perfectly good airplane? Like that doesn't yeah. seem like a smart decision. <laughs> so, yeah. but you know, he finally, I finally was like, okay, I will go and do it. Stop bugging me about it. I'll go and do it. The funny thing is, is I hated it the entire time I was doing it. You ride up in this little tiny plane where I did it. You ride up in this little tiny plane, only four people, you're scrunched into this tiny little space. And then they have you go to jump out. My eyes were closed the entire time. They have to tap you on the shoulder to bring your arms up. <laughs> and, um, so my eyes were closed the entire time we got down on the ground and I said, okay, I've done that. I'm never doing that again. I didn't love it. <laughs> I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. So, um, you know, he's like, okay, fair enough. And then, you know, through that whole process, one of my really good friends, she was dating a guy who was also a base jumper skydiver and, her and I started talking and we're like, we think we kind of want to learn to do it ourselves. So when I told the guy that I was dating at the time, I think I want to learn to do it myself. You know, he was completely shocked, but we went through <laughs> all of the, um, all of the training and, and there's a difference in doing it, you know, on your own versus doing a tandem. But it was just one of those things that it became a hobby. It was just something fun that you go and do on the weekend. Like to us, it's like one of those things like, oh, what did you do this weekend? I just went skydiving, <laughs> you know, instead of, oh, I went yeah. for a hike, I, I went skydiving. <laughs> so, Yeah, my brother-in-law yeah. actually is a skydiver and yeah, it's, I haven't had the desire to do it, but he loves it and he does it all the time. Yeah, definitely what he yeah. does on the weekends or whatever. So yeah, so I'm just so curious, this is a little, maybe a random question, but I bet, I would bet that most people listening to this haven't skydived like myself. Right. <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, what would you compare it to when you do it? Like the feeling or the rush that they talk about? Like, you know what I mean? Um, if, like really and truly, honestly, to me, it's, it's you, the feeling is you're going out and sometimes you're so concentrated on trying to make the skydive work or, you know, you go and you plan it out how you're going to come together with your friends and how you're going to make all of this work. And so it's a little bit of a challenge, but yeah. there's also this rush of excitement that, you know, when you get down on the ground, you're like, Oh, we just did that. And it went amazing. And that was so fun. Um, or there's just the excitement of getting together with your friends and, and doing something that you all enjoy. Like to me, I get the same rush out of going on a hike and hanging out with friends. I get that same 
it's just one of those same activities that you go and do. Yeah. yeah it's almost like a connection with people that enjoy yeah. the same things. Yeah. yeah. And I'm Absolutely. sure when it's something hard and there's something a little different, like I know when I've gone on hikes that like maybe there is a little like like it's really hard and it's challenging and maybe even a right. little danger involved, like it kind of brings you closer because you're like, right. wow, we did this hard thing. So I think that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was we just did curious this hard what... thing. We did it together. Yeah. A lot of people right. would, I think a lot of people would liken it to like, if you go on a roller coaster to me, it's not that same because that's what scared me about going skydiving was I don't like roller coasters. I don't like heights. <laughs> so hmm. that's what scared me about, about that. Cause you know, you're on a roller coaster, you come up and then you have that kind of free fall feeling where your stomach kind of drops. You don't get that when you're skydiving. That's one thing. Oh, that that's what I was wondering I too. People, like physically. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I think people think that that's what it's going to feel like. It's don't when you, you know, when you're coming, jumping out of a plane, you're already going at a speed that you don't feel that. So. Oh, okay. So you don't feel like that kind of in your stomach. You don't feel that just... drop. I don't. Yeah. You don't oh. feel that drop. And that's what in talking to people. You don't feel that you feel that if you were to go base jumping, you would feel that because you're just kind of falling through the air until you catch up to that speed, but not in skydiving. Okay. Interesting. That's interesting. (laughs) You should go try it. (laughs) I know my, my, my sister who's married to my brother-in-law, she's like, Oh, it's Carrie. Okay. Okay. Go, go do your hobby. I'll find my hobby. (laughs) Well, there's these neighbors of ours. Did you know the Phillips take all their kids when they turn 18? Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Skydiving. I always thought that was cool. So in my mind, I've always thought, well, maybe when my kids, you know, my oldest is 15. (laughs) Maybe yeah. by then I'll be really brave and to say that's something <laughs> they want to do it. Yeah, yeah, if they want to do. Yeah. yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. So you were in you were in Utah. Yeah. Skydiving so I when jumped it out into Willa. That's where okay. that's usually that's, where I drive down oh, to. All right. That's where yeah. I grew up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's nice out there. Yeah, I lived in Stansbury, but um Yeah. Yeah, I know where that's at though. At the little airport. I was going to say, you probably, growing up out there, you probably had seen that happen. I've like, seen yeah. skydivers coming down before. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And then, so you'd always, I mean, how much training do you have? Where at during At this time, were you jumping alone? I was jumping you alone. Would... So I had been jumping on my own for probably, I think I got licensed. I was just looking the other day. I, I was licensed in 2017. So this happened in 2020. So, okay, so for um, three years you were, so for three years I'd been jumping now, granted, I only had at that time, I only had 120 jumps. So it sounds like a lot of jumps, but it's really not, you know, there's people that go out there and skydive and they can get 300 jumps two, 300 jumps in a season from like April to November. So 120 oh, wow. jumps was not that many. <laughs> hmm. So like I was a newbie. Yeah. Well, maybe you can kind of tell us like what happened that day leading up to it and yeah, just. Yeah, had you done that. had you done already? Do you do more than one jump a day usually? Was yeah, this so a one and only because thing? we come from Twin Falls, it's like a three and a half hour drive, right? So we would usually drive down. I would come down with friends, and we would usually uh, drive down for a weekend. So either go down on a Friday night or early Saturday morning, and then jump all day Saturday and get I don't know five six jumps on a Saturday, and then jump a few times on Sunday morning and head home. So that's that's what had happened. It was um, we had come down for the weekend hung out with a bunch of friends, gone out to dinner the night before. And then I had gotten there Sunday morning and I was going to do one jump and then I was going to head home. Um, so that was October 18th. And so I was going to do one jump, head home. Um, when you get ready 
for a skydive, we kind of walk through it on the ground. We kind of talk through, this is what we're going to do. We're going to jump out of the plane. We're going to come together. We're going to try this trick in the air, see if it works, if not. So that's what we had done. My girlfriend, Brenton and I, we had, we were sitting there talking that morning. We were like, what were we going to, what are we going to do? I actually had thought about, "Eh, I'm not really sure that I'm going to jump. And then, you know, and talking, I'm like, okay, I'll do one jump and then I'm going to go home. So we're talking through this jump. And we, the funny thing is, is, the jump that we had talked through, her boyfriend had talked to, okay, and sorry, we had helmets on it. We have helmets that we wear too. In our helmets, we have like these walkie talkies that we were able to talk to each other. So he gave us this jump that we were going to walk through and he's like, okay, you're going to come together. You're going to do this. You're going to roll over on your back and then you're going to try and like bring your legs up and end up like flying with your head down. Right. And we start laughing because we're like, there's no way that that's going to work. Like we're so new. We don't know what we're doing. And so he's like, okay, well, when the jump goes to crap, then you're going to come back together and do this anyway. So we go up in the plane. Um, we do that. We, you know, we're, we're able to talk to each other the whole time up. So we're talking through it and laughing and having a great time and have friends all around us. And so we jump out of the plane. We do the jump. We, um, deploy our, our parachutes and everything, everything had gone fine. We were kind of talking under canopy. So the part that um, the part that this kind of all comes into play. So when you when you're out there at that airport, you have an area that you are supposed to land in. Everybody kind of comes in and everybody lands in this one area. If for some reason you can't make it to that area, there's a whole huge other field off to the side that you can land in. That's not a problem. They'll put a ladder over the fence if you land over there. Climb back over. So we were coming in for a landing and we were talking the whole time. We were kind of far away and I was talking to her and I was saying, you know, do you you think you're going to make it back? Do you think you're going to land in that area? And so we were kind of talking it through. And I think I don't, I don't remember any of this. So this kind of story of that part of it has, was retold to me, but I think is what happened is I was coming in for a landing and was planning on landing where we're supposed to land and realized at the last minute, I probably wasn't going to make it. So when you're skydiving coming down, there's different altitudes that you turn in a pattern coming in for a landing and over under about 500 feet. We don't typically make any turns. You're not supposed to make any turn. That's considered a low turn. I'm assuming is what I did is probably around between 150 to 100 feet, I decided that I wasn't going to make it and I made a turn. And when you do that under a certain path, you have this canopy up above your head and it just doesn't have enough time to come back up above your head. So what that caused was for me to slam into the ground from about 30, 40 feet. So, um, yeah, it was pretty scary, you know, that I was really lucky in the fact that, um, my friend Sean was already on the ground and, they, people saw me coming in and saw me making a low turn and realized before I even hit the ground, I think that they had told the people call life light. We got an accident. Um, so my friend Sean got to me first and he, uh, was very careful about moving me because he had a friend that had had a neck injury in the past. So he was very careful about moving me, but I wasn't breathing at the time. And, um, I was also very lucky because there was another guy out there, Josh, who was a paramedic who had also worked at an oral surgeon. So he could tell that my jaw was broken. So he reached in and pulled my jaw forward. And that's when I took my first breath. 
So they kind of, I think, you know, rolled me over, got me stable. Um, Life light was on their, was on their way. Um, My friend Britton that I had jumped with because we had the walkie talkies in our, in our helmet, she could hear everything in her helmet that was happening, you know, Mm -hmm. from the outside of my helmet. So she was kind of panicking and life light got there and, you know, they took me to the university of Utah and got to work. (laughs) So, wow, that's crazy. So you don't remember anything after jumping? I don't, I actually didn't remember the night before until somebody told me about it. Um, like I said, we had gone out to dinner with friends and they're like, yeah, we went out to this dinner and then we went back to our friends house. I'm like, oh yeah, I do remember that. And then Hmm. when my friend Brenton told me about, you know, remember we talked through this jump and then I was like, okay, I do vaguely remember that, but anything like actually jumping out of the plane, I don't remember any of that. When you started breathing, you were still unconscious, I assume, or? Um, I assume so. They, you know, said that I was kind of moaning in pain, but that's all the, the crazy thing to me actually is my friend Brenton. So the sheriff had gotten there or the life flight people, I don't remember. And I guess they were asking me questions like, what's your name? Uh, what's your date of birth? And I was answering those questions. That seems crazy to me, but I was wow. answering those questions. <laughs> so yeah. That is yeah. Crazy. Wow. So you were conscious, just not really yeah. Um, aware, but you aware. had some, some sort of conscious. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Did they have yeah. to do surgery like immediately when you got to the, like, what was your most, I guess, like pressing injury or the one oh, that yeah. was the so most serious? That I had, had to be broken my of? femur and I had broken it up high. So I believe that that had nicked an artery. So I was bleeding a lot. Um, mm. and that's the one that they had to go in and, you know, control the bleeding. I, I was told that they gave me eight units of blood while I was in there and they just Gosh. kept, um, they kept telling me like my mom told me afterwards, she's like, it was touch and go. Cause to me it was just, I woke up in a hospital and I, you know, had to get better. And so she kept saying it was touch and go and touch and go. And I had to finally had to ask the doctor at one of my recheck appointments. I had to, I need you to explain to me what that means <laughs> because yeah. you know, that doesn't make sense to me, but he, you know, so he pulled up on my lab work. He's like, your body was failing and we didn't know if you were going to come out of it or not, we had given you the blood, we had controlled the bleeding and we just had to then sit back and wait to, for you to decide Mm -hmm. for your body to decide if it was going to pull through or if it wasn't. So like when he told me that I was like, okay, that's kind of (laughs) scary, you know, for sure. But, um, overall, I think that I counted up that I had my sister and I went through it one time. I think that I had around 10 different surgeries Um, so the, you know, the, the most extensive actually was my face surgery. That was about a 12 hour surgery, but everything else was, you know, they would do one surgery and then they would have to wait and let my body recover a little bit. Then they'd go back in and do another surgery and have to let my body recover. So, so did you land face down? I'm actually not sure. I must've like hit my right side or because all my injuries, all my major surgeries were on my right side, um, or all my major breaks were on my right side and then my face. So I, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know if I slammed in and like on the right side and then my head came forward. I'm not sure, but I was, you know, the, the luckiest part of the whole thing is that, um, I didn't have any neck trauma. I didn't have any head trauma and I didn't have any back trauma. So, you know, I'm extremely, extremely lucky. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like, cause it seems like other bones. Yeah. I'm sure everything was painful and it was long and a big process, but they weren't things that wouldn't eventually heal at least. Right. Yeah. Somewhat, but you know, backs and 
brains and spines. Yeah, that's amazing that you didn't have any head trauma or anything like that. I mean, I'm sure that I had, I'm like positive I had some sort of concussion, obviously. Right. You know, as far as like any like brain trauma. Yeah, Yeah. right. So how long did it take for you to, like when you said when you woke up in the hospital and realized, how many days after? It was about a week that I don't remember anything. I mean, I, my dad told me, um, that I was in the hospital and they kept giving me, he said, he just called it a white milky liquid. I miss, you know, just medication to ease the pain and make me forget. Um, so I remember waking up and being told that I needed to go back in for another surgery. So they had fixed my femur, but the surgery that I remember, the first surgery I remember is they uh, waking up and them telling me that we need to go back in and lengthen your leg because, you know, we tried to get it them the same length, but it's still a little bit shorter. So we need to go back in and lengthen it. And that was October 26th. So it was, you know, about a week later that I remember and, and talking to my dad. That's like the first thing I remember is the surgery. And then I started crying and then I looked at my dad and I was like, I'm not scared to go back in for surgery. So I don't, I'm just overwhelmed maybe that I started crying, but yeah. 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 Um, so it sounds like your mom and dad were there for you during that time. Yep. They, um, my mom was called and she got there first cause she still lives in Idaho Falls. So she got there first and kind of, you know, started directing everything that needed to happen. Um, and then my dad was called and he came, so they just kind of switched back and forth. And then my sister, um, who was my, um, what's that called when you have a living will and your power of attorney, she was my power of attorney. And so she kind of came and directed everybody what needed to happen. And then my mom and dad were just my support people mm-hmm. that were there. They would come for about a week and my dad lives in Oregon. So he would drive over for a week and then drive back and then he'd, you know, wait wow. a week and then he'd drive back. So Hmm. Yeah, uh, that's good that you had some family there to yeah. support yeah. and direction. Right. Yeah. And what about your kids? Like what age were they? And so that was the really hard part. My daughter actually probably got the first phone call and she was 20 at the time. Hmm. So she got the first phone call from a friend of mine and, um, and then she called her brother to let him know. So he would have been 19 at the time. Hmm. And, uh, terrified. I mean, my daughter was just terrified. My, yeah, they were both just, you know, concerned and didn't know what nobody could, it was during the time of COVID. So nobody could come and see me. Um, they would let one person in and that person had to stay with you all day. Um, so yeah, my kids couldn't even come and see me. <laughs> this is so oh, oh, it'd be so hard. Yeah. And yeah. that's hard because like technically they're adults, but that's still so young and to right. be processing that and and that COVID on top of it, you know, I didn't right. put that two and two together yet. But yeah, that was a mess with hospitals and everything yeah. at the time. Mm. Yeah, the you know, the really great thing is my dad was able to talk to the nurses. My daughter, so it happened October eighteenth. My daughter's birthday was November eighth. And so he was able to talk to the nurses like can they just come visit her? And, you know, cause my, anybody that knows me, like my kids are, we're super, super close. And so that was important to me. I, you know, anyway, he was able to talk to the nurse and the nurse allowed them to come, both of them to come and see me for two hours. That was it. So mm. they drove, they, I don't think that they had ever driven in snow and if you've ever driven from Twin Falls to Utah through like that Snowville yes. area, the road gets terrible. Um, mm. But they drove, they made the drive to come and see me and then were there for two hours and came home. <laughs> oh so, my gosh. So they, yeah. 
Yeah, so they never saw you until a couple of weeks no, after No, I think that I actually uh, had, I was able at that point to um, start like sending messages and I was able to Marco Polo them. So they oh, kind of had an idea um, what I looked like, which, you know, was another thing that was kind of scary. But yeah, so we had been messaging, but the first time seeing them in person. Yeah, was that probably was good for them. Mm. And even to be able to know, okay, she is communicating with us. She's talking to, like, which yeah. means she's all there, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Thank goodness for phones and Marco Polo and technology. Yeah. and Yeah, for technology is great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so how long were you at the University of Utah Spital? So I was there for three weeks. So, um, you know, that was the, being in the hospital was hard. I remember waking up and, and having all these things. So I'll just, I'll go, I'll go through and tell you the, what was broken and which is why it's so hard. So, um, I broke, broke both of my heels. Um, so again, like you asked how I landed, I'm not sure. I don't know if I landed feet first and then, and then anyway, yeah. so I broke both of, both of my heels. Um, I broke my left heel and my left knee, but they didn't have to do any surgery on the left-hand side. I broke my right heel, my right ankle, and they put pins and a plate in my ankle, uh, my femur. So I've got a, a rod in my femur. I broke my pelvis. So I have pins in my pelvis. I broke my right wrist. I've got a plate in my wrist. And then, like I said, a bunch of stuff in my face. I think I broke my uh, jaw in three places in the middle and then both mm. on the sides. I broke my cheekbone, which I, I don't know if you can kind of see. Um, it's more prominent the way they had to plate it. Um, I broke my nose. I broke my eye sockets and some stuff oh in my God. forehead. Oh, wow. so that sounds so painful. Yeah. The, oh, the facial is... surgery, I remember them, uh, telling me that that was the one, like I said, that was the one that was like 12 hours. Um, mm. and that was the one that I remember the nurses telling me that was the hardest for me. That was so painful that night afterwards that, you know, that I really struggled with that one in the hospital. Um, you know, they had, they had to go in and they cut clear across my head and had to pull this back to fix my forehead and yeah, pretty gnarly surgery. But, um, as far as like being in the hospital, I don't remember, I don't remember being in a lot of pain. So like the nurses and doctors over there really controlled everything. Um, cause I don't remember being in a lot of pain. And then I just remember waking up and I couldn't move both either my legs. I couldn't move my wrist. Um, I had a, a trach in a trachea. So, that's what I remember being the most frustrating was that trach tube because, you know, you try and breathe around it and then you start coughing and yeah, that's what I remember being the worst. Mm. My jaw was wired shut so I couldn't really talk. And so, but oh, I was wow. there for three weeks and they started working with me in physical therapy, like trying to teach me how to move myself over. And I was very physically fit before this accident. And I, I remember thinking, I remember them getting me into a wheelchair for the first time. And that was, that was my therapy was them moving me into a wheelchair, wheeling me around a, the floor. Right. And yeah. I remember seeing this, I was like working with my therapist and I remember seeing this, um, they have these stair stimulators that, you know, they have people practice walking up and down. I'm like, I can climb those right now. Like, let me out of this chair. And I'll show you. I can I climb can those this. right now. <laughs> and yeah. they start laughing and they're like, we're sure that you can, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> Yeah. So that's what uh, I remember being the most frustrating is all of a sudden I can't do anything for myself. Yeah. You know, you I felt so trapped. Yeah. Like, you yeah. Uh, like 
that's what, like I said, the most frustrating thing. I was very physically fit, but you go through that, you lose all this weight, your beds and your body's in a bed for three weeks. You can't do anything. And so I remember when they start working with me to try and they're like, okay, now that you can move one of your legs, we're going to try, try and start helping you just move to a chair. It was exhausting. Like took Mm -hmm. me 30 minutes and it was exhausting. (laughs) And like, that's what I remember being just so shocked at that part of it, how exhausting it was. Wow. Just to do the little things that yeah yeah would normally yeah mean nothing yeah. or piece yeah. Yeah. So you wouldn't even think about moving to a chair yeah right. well I I wanted to go back because first of all we have some pictures that we'll post when we post your um episode it's amazing I mean just the injuries that you had and I think at one point on your um, Facebook thing about being a mummy for Halloween because you're like <laughs> yeah. I already look like one because I'm all wrapped <laughs> up but this I mean you're beautiful I mean oh, you're you're you. the surgeons must have done you know. Yeah. Put you back together mm-hmm. pretty well. About that, my daughter and I look very, very, very similar. I, she's like my mini me. And I remember being in the hospital and them getting ready to take me back from my facial surgery. And I remember telling them, just if you need to know what I look like, just look at, look like, at get her. a picture oh. of my daughter. And they started laughing. I'm like, no, I'm serious. <laughs> like, Yeah. Like, I just yeah. want to look like me still. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I don't, I mean, I wouldn't, I mean, the pictures you've sent and talking yeah. to you, like I would never guess that anything had happened to your face and it sounds like a lot happened yeah oh yeah and from those pictures we know yeah it's crazy I appreciate that too because that was also the hardest thing I remember I hadn't looked at myself for a long time like nobody I don't even know if I asked to see a mirror but nobody showed me a picture of my face so I remember there was one night after everybody left because you know that family can't stay with you overnight and so I remember there was one night after everybody left, um, and it had to have been after the 26th of October, but I had my phone and I remember pulling up my phone, the camera and holding it in front of my face so I could see. And, and I remember taking a deep breath and being like, okay. I mean, at that point I was still wrapped up. I didn't really know. And I was still so swollen. Um, I didn't really know, but like, I could see that I had a black eye and I could see that, like, I remember trying to open my mouth and and see what, what was going on. I'm a dental hygienist. And so I'm like, do I have broken yeah. teeth? Do I still have teeth? Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. um, and so that's what I wanted to see. I just kind of wanted to see what everything looked like. And it wasn't as terrible as I thought. I do remember like after coming home, home that I was sitting at my table with my dad and my daughter and we were, you know, it was my first night home. And I remember looking at my, um, our family pictures that had been taken the year prior and starting to cry because that was like, I don't look like that anymore. And, you know, it was like, that's when it kind of hit me. And that's when you kind of have to work through that mental stuff of it's going to be okay. And you're going to get back. And if you look a little bit different, it's going to be okay. You know, the doctors told me there, people that don't know you won't know that anything happened. And, and as the years have gone by, you know, now it's two years, I look back at pictures and I'm like, okay, it really wasn't that bad. And things have healed so well. They did such a good job. I always tell, you know, I always say they put Humpty Dumpty back together again. You can fall off a wall and be put back together again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that really is amazing that they yeah. can do medically. I know, the medical yeah. stuff. So crazy. Like an art. I mean, yeah. to yeah. be able to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, for them to, my, uh, one of my, my boss had said he like looked at the pictures of my heel when they put the screws back together. He's like, it looks like you got a box of home depot screws in the bottom of your foot (laughs) like all the mesh that they have you know that they put under under my eyes to make everything 
work. I mean, it's amazing. They did such a great job. Yeah, that's wow. awesome. And then you didn't, after the University of Utah, did you have, did you get to go straight home or did you have to go to some like... I didn't. I had to go to a care center. So it was what I wanted to do is there at the University of Utah, they have like an intense rehab facility and I really wanted to go that because I was determined I was going to, I'm going to get back walking. I'm going to do all of these things because they had told me that walking was going to be hard for me with, with my broken heels. They said, you'll probably never hike again um, just because it's going to be painful. And I'm like, that. I'm not doing that. So I wanted to go to their intensive rehab facility. They wouldn't let me because I was non-weight bearing on both of my legs and I couldn't use my wrist. So I could only use one arm. That's all I had. And you had to be able to withstand, what did they say? I think it was three hours of therapy. And they just, my therapists that were in the hospital fought for me because they're like, she can do this, but they just wouldn't let me. So my intent was to come home to a care center here in Twin Falls but right before I um, was set to get out of the hospital, they got a case of COVID and wouldn't take anybody. Mm-hmm. So I ended up at a care center in Logan, Utah, Rocky Mountain Care Center, and um, ended up there. And again, right when I got there, I told the, the nurses, I said, I need to meet with the therapist. Um, you know, I need to come up with a plan. And I got told the same thing. Like, we don't know what to do with you because, because you, you can't, you can't get yeah. up and you can't get up and walk. We don't know what to do with you. So I, I started telling them, I said, bring me some bands and bring me some weights. So that was my therapy. That's what I started doing. I would like sit there in bed and I would start <laughs> lifting weights. And then I would attach this be- this band to the side of, of the bed and, you know, start using it. Anything that I could do. I could, I mean, you know, I couldn't even do anything with my right wrist Um, but I would try to hold the weight as best I could and do whatever I could. Cause when you're stuck in a bed, it's, you know, I have a whole new appreciation for people that can't get out of their beds cause you literally can't do anything. Yeah. So, yeah. So this is where the little girl comes back. (laughs) Yeah. I can do this. So let me do this. Yeah. And let me do it. Yeah. I'm going to walk. I'm going to hike. I'm going to, I'm going to do all those things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's really cool that you took upon yourself to be like, well, I can do these things. So I'm going to start like, even if, because it would be easy just to wait, you know, until they said you're ready. Yeah. You know, some of those things like you have to do that to keep your mind occupied too, because you know, there's, there's only so much TV you can watch. There's only so much uh, music or podcasts or whatever you can do that. There's only so much of that that you can do. And so you've got to find something that will keep your mind active too. That was huge for me too. Yeah. And it's also so so mentally healthy to move your body and right. You know, you're I mean, that was probably very difficult to do those bands and those weights Yeah, because of the trauma that your body had been through and for you just, you know, being bedridden for so long. So yeah, that was probably really challenging, but it's, I've never been through something, you know, before this accident, I had never broken a bone ever, not one. Mm, oh, wow. <laughs> so that's why I always tell people, I'm like, well, let's go big or go home. Apparently break yeah, them all, all at once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow, that is amazing. Yeah. So yeah. did you, did you hit a point where you're like, of, I can't do this or a point of like, how can I do this? Or were you kind of very determined the whole time? I mean, um, I'm sure there's ups and downs. Maybe it's not linear, but yeah. I'm just curious about. There's, there's definitely ups and downs. So I was in that care center for three weeks. And again, I, I hadn't seen my kids. So, you know, by the time I got home, I had seen them one time in six weeks. Oh, that's um, 
I had, I did have people that came and visit my, I think I was in the care center for Thanksgiving that year. And my mom came and visited and brought me a plate of food. Um, and then my boss that I worked for, his family came and visited, but the visits were through a window because again, it was COVID. So like the only personal interaction that I would get was with the nurses and they are so busy that I, and I needed so little that, you know, it, it was in and out. So when I went home, I saw I was in the hospital for three weeks and I was in the care center for three weeks. And when I came home, I was on, I was like finally, uh, weight bearing on one leg and my wrist, they had, they had an adjustment on the walker so I could put weight, you know, bear weight on the, on my wrist or on my forearm. And so I was on a walker and I remember coming home and, you know, it, it was the same night I was, that I had cried that I didn't look the same. And my daughter was by my side, like the entire time her and I are, you know, very close. And, and I remember getting on my walker and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back and I'm going to try and take a shower by myself. And I'm, and I'm like struggling to get down a hallway. I don't have a huge long hallway, but I'm struggling to get down a hallway. And I feel these tears again, just start coming down my face. I'm cause I'm thinking to myself, how am I going to do this? Like, you know, they tell me that things are going to be limited. How am I going to do that? How am I going to deal with that? And I just start crying. And all of a sudden I feel this, um, makes me emotional. Now I feel this hand on my back and it's my daughter and she's like walking down the hallway and she's like, it's going to be okay. And I just told her, I said, I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to do it by myself, but be there in case I call you and need you. (laughs) And so there was definitely mental struggles that you're trying to get through. You know, it's not just you can't be just a determined person and you know, that just, that helps you get through it. But there's so many, I guess, I guess you can be a determined person, but you have to be willing to work through the mental part of it. Um, the biggest thing I got from it is, is to stay positive through everything. You know, that doesn't always happen. You know, there's not always this positive era around you and it's not always easy to stay positive. You know, my kids would go to work and I'm stuck at home during the day on a couch. Um, but you just try and stay positive. You let yourself live in that moment for a minute. I would give myself five, 10 minutes. Okay. I'm going to feel this. I'm going to, this sucks. I hate it. I can't do anything. What, you know, what's my life going to look like? Okay. We're brushing past that and we're brushing past that and we're going to move forward. I'm going to work through it. I'm determined. I'm not going to let this hold me back. And you just give yourself those moments, you know, however long that takes you, but you find something that you can, that you can hold on to. And that's, that's all I tried to do. Okay. Today I can get myself out of bed. I'm going to hold on to that. You know, today I can go a little bit further. My dad challenged me when I got home because he knows how much I love being outside and doing things. He said, I want you to get outside. Even if it's just five minutes, walk to the end of your driveway and come back, but get outside five minutes every day. And that's what, you know, now working with, um, clients on the fitness and nutrition side, that's what I tell them. If you can't do anything else, get outside and clear, clear your mind, because there's something about getting fresh air that just really helps. And like I said, even if it's five minutes, even if you go stand outside for five minutes, so those, I would try yeah. and find those little things to hold on to mentally. 
to keep me through even the small thing, the smallest of things, no matter what it was, I would hold on to that. <laughs> yeah. I feel like our brains, yeah. Like our, we need a goal and we need to accomplish something. But if you're in the space you're in, when you can't do the big things, you know, and you have to right. do all the little small things to hopefully someday do the big things. Right. Then, yeah, <laughs> I think being outside is huge. I think making goals and then giving you that time to be sad for a minute because it yeah. could build up and boil over at some point in a bad yeah. way. But if you just say, okay, I'm gonna give yeah. me a minute to be really kind of frustrated, sad, you yeah. know, whatever. And then, okay, now it's time to get up and go outside or get up yeah. and shower and or whatever forward. it is. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's almost good to do that because I think if you tell yourself, okay, I'm going to take this five minutes or 10 minutes or an hour or whatever and fill that, but then move to the next thing. Other, like, I think it's smart. I mean, not that we always have to compartmentalize the pain in life, but I just feel like that is a way to get through like really hard times, you know, where otherwise it will trickle over to the rest. And it's probably really hard to stay positive, you know, especially in your situation where you were. And it was, so I was curious, like at this point, I mean, it was slow through it, but when did you kind of know, okay, I think I'm going to be okay eventually. Like I could get somewhat, or was it just so slow going the whole time until you Um, knew what the outcome was going to be? You know, that's a funny question because it felt super slow to me. Um, I've, you know, I'm always this person that I move really quickly in everything that I do. When I go to work, I move really quickly and I move through things in just in life really quickly. And so it felt really slow to me. Um, when I got home and started therapy, it felt really slow, but I could see the progress coming. Um, um, so I don't know. I, I was told that I moved through things really quickly that, you know, when I would go back for checkups every few weeks, I, you know, I was home, but then I would have to drive down to Utah again to go see my orthopedic surgeon and, and they would clear me for different things. And that's, I guess that was the confirmation that I knew when they would tell me, okay, like, you've moved so fast through this, like now you can start doing this. And I can't remember the date that I was actually given clearance to. So I had, I had the ankle surgery and that had to sit for a full three months, a full 12 weeks. I was non-weight bearing on that right foot for a full three weeks. And I remember pushing him for, okay, but can I start putting weight on my knee? So when I got the permission, like I said, I can't remember how long that was. It was probably eight weeks in after my accident that he gave me, cleared me to start using what my kids called this peg leg. And, um, it was like this knee, it was basically a crutch, but it just attached to your knee where your, you know, your leg was kept bent and then you could just use it like crutches. And that was the point probably that like when I started getting that independence back when I didn't have to use a walker, um, that gave me the independence to be like, okay, this is going to be okay. Things are going to be fine. I'm going to move forward. I'm not going to, they're not going to tell me that I can't do something. So I will push as hard as I can to get back there. So, um, I had really great therapists here in twin falls that they told me I was non-weight bearing on my ankle, my right ankle. He, my therapist here got the approval from my doctor to start just moving my ankle so that when I did start walking, it wasn't as stiff. That made a huge difference. So, you know, it didn't come down to one single thing. I had so many people around me helping me in whatever way that they could, you know, therapy, getting, getting it okay for me to move other ways, but, um, getting some independence back was the, 
was the big motivator for me. Like that's what I worked towards to get that independence. Now I have this independence and what am I going to do with it? Yeah. Yeah. That's probably huge. I mean, cause you obviously seem like the type of person that doesn't <laughs> want people to help you yeah. and you want to be able to do it yourself. So when you had that yeah. little glimmer of, okay, maybe I really can. Yeah. Start doing things myself. That's yeah. probably huge. Yeah. So let me tell yeah. you the story like of that whole my mom coming back in and the whole me do it thing from when I was little. When I got home, like I said, I was on a walker. Um, I was doing something. I was walking around on my walker. My dad was here with me and I had gone out into my garage, which has a step into the garage. And I used my walker and got down this step and I was trying to get back up this step and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I ended up ultimately falling over and landing on my, on my butt with a broken pelvis. And, um, my dad just, he just kind of, he stood there and he looked at me and he was like, well, okay, well now that's happened. And I need to know what you're going to be able to do when I'm not here. So on the flip side of that, when my mom was home with me, you know, that she would still come and stay with me. And every time I'm like, okay, I need to go do this. And she's like, oh, she'd jump right up, you know, do the mom thing, jump right up. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll help you with that. And I, I would look at her and be like, no, I will do it. And that's what she said to me. She's like, you've always been that way. Since you were little, it was no me do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, Which yeah. is probably huge to your healing because it would be easy sometimes to be like, okay, I'll just let them do it. Yeah. yeah. It hurts. It's tiring. It's I'm worn out. But yeah. to keep pushing through the the pain or the tired and the being worn out is probably what got you to heal faster. Yeah. You know, like your doctors were saying, well, that's what my therapist had told me at one point too. He said, you know, I was sitting in therapy and I was crying and and not because it hurt, but he's, I said, I want to be able to do this. And he's like, Janet, most people in your situation would be sitting on the couch still. Like you're here, you're motivated to do it. So, you know, I, I wish that I had one single thing that I could tell you that, you know, that would motivate other people, but you just have to find it. Like to me, you just have to find something in yourself. Doesn't mean that it has to be this huge grand thing, but you just have to find something in yourself that you can hold on to that pushes you forward. Again, it doesn't have to be these huge, big steps. So, you know, a lot of our learning and growth comes in small steps. It doesn't typically come in these big, huge doses, but if you find that one thing or give yourself one small goal to work towards. It's something. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really good. Yeah. Cause the, the, I want to hike by this time is huge. Like, yeah, you know, but if you did the little steps to get there, then you yeah. can check off like, okay, I got to this point or to that point in the small things Yeah, to get to that goal. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. It's been so <laughs> two, just almost two and a half years. Yes. Yeah. That happened. Almost two yeah. and a half years. Wow. <laughs> That's so amazing. Yeah. The whole thing is just incredible. We were looking at your Facebook page, your Janet's journey Facebook uh-huh. page and wondered there was someone that was doing your updates when you couldn't. Yes. We wondered who that yeah. was. So my sister was doing some of the updates. Um, the guy that I had been seeing, we were broken up at the time, but he kind of came back into my life and was a huge help. Um, and he was updating a little bit of that too, but it was, you know, my sister did it and then he did it. And then as soon as I was able to, um, have my phone, I would add stuff on there too. So it's kind of a combined effort. Um, well, I just wanted to read one of the posts and I don't know who it was, but it, um, oh shoot. I took a screenshot, but I'm not sure it was what date it was, but it 
was your final major surgery. So whenever that was. And it says, Janet came through her final major surgery today. Her ankle and heel on her right side have been repaired. After back-to-back multiple surgeries over the past 12 days, I guess it was 12 days after, she's ready for some much-needed rest and time to heal. She is an amazing example of an absolute rock star. Not once has she complained and has faced this better than I can imagine most anyone could. With determination to heal and love in her heart for her family and friends, and all those that have been here for her, including all those on this page, continually giving support, encouragement, and sharing concern. Thank you. She is an example of absolute tenderness and strength all, this, all at the same time. So I thought that was That's really, really cool. cool and a good yeah. tribute to you. So Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. I mean, even 12 days in, you know, you obviously had such a positive impact on the people around you and helping <laughs> you. So. That's really neat. Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah. was cool. That was a, yeah. yeah. Cool. And then I as we gone back through and read that for a while, so that, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was cool. And then just as we read, I mean, just your words and how you worded things and it was like so inspiring and just so well put. And anyway, we're like, we're really excited for this interview. She's <laughs> going to be awesome. <laughs> so yeah, you have been. But it's good been. because I think the things you've learned like, and have taught us and been sharing with us can apply to any hard thing whether it's a, cause I think yours was physical, but also mental because you right. had to, mm-hmm. and maybe even like you said, maybe even more mental because you had to decide I'm going to heal from this. I'm going to yeah. work hard. I'm going to do these things. And if you had those days where you're sad, okay, I'm only giving myself this time to, you know, be frustrated or sad. And those are huge things for anything that we go through yeah. in life yeah. that we all go through and the struggles. Yeah. And- I yeah. keep thinking about too, how you said, you know, your mom would have done a lot for, for you, but you had to choose to do it for yourself. And I think it's fine. Like for us as moms and, and even as daughters or, or whoever right. we are, our friends or whatever, to take help from people, but also taking that step yourself. I mean, is like you made so much quicker progress and everything, but it is, it's the mental strength that got you to do that. So anyway, I keep thinking about <laughs> it. Like sometimes we just have to do those hard little steps on our own that no one can do for us, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's so, true. It, it, yeah, it's definitely things that you have to realize, okay, there's nobody that's going to fix this for me. There's nobody that can crawl inside my head and make everything okay. And so we just, sometimes it's as simple as that or simple and as hard as that is making a decision. Like, yeah, I'm going to do this and I'm going to make it through. Yeah. So that's really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, what do you think would be like looking back on this journey? What was the most maybe vulnerable or challenging part? I mean, I feel like we covered some of it, but if there's something else that sticks out that you want to share. Um, I think the most vulnerable part was um, that I, I shared some of that, not looking like myself. That was really hard, you know, and, and it's, that's obviously gotten better, but, and just allowing others to help, you know, it got to a point where there were some things I had to let other people do for me. It just, it wasn't an option. So those were the two things that were, um, the hardest. I don't typically like relying on other people. I've, you know, like I said, I've always been very independent. So, um, yeah, those are the two things that made me mm-hmm. the most vulnerable, but probably also taught me the most, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to take help from people sometimes, but yeah. I think the people that are around you that love and care about, you know, care about you, they want to do something. And so those times where you did need their help, that was probably so good for them to feel like, okay, so finally I can do something for Janet. Yeah. <laughs> I can, yeah. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I actually had somebody say that to me. They're like, let somebody help you. It's not for you. Like let them mm-hmm. help you for them because they want to feel like they are doing something. Let them help you. 
So yeah, that was humbling for me too, (laughs) you know? Um, I think, you know, I, I think a lot of, I've had people ask me in the past, like, you know, is there, is there something that you could have done to prepare? There's obviously nothing that you can do to prepare for an accident. Right. Um, I think the biggest thing that sometimes we need to realize is, I don't know. I always go back to, because the mental part has been huge for me. The mental part that I did before was huge for me. So I think not, I think realizing that there's always something that we can work on to help ourselves mentally. Um, and getting yourself to a strong point where, where you feel really good about yourself, where you feel like, okay, I'm in a really great place or I'm not in a really great place and who can help me get out of that really bad place. Um, you know, we've had a lot of things, even in our community, we've had some things happen recently with, with suicide and how do you, how do you get that point across to people? Like talk to somebody and help. And I, I, that was my biggest thing with, with your podcast that I've seen is all of us are trying to tell people, listen, I've been through something. This is how I worked through it and trying to save people from having to go through something. Right. So the biggest thing that prepared me was the mental part of it was getting myself to a great place mentally that I could handle an accident mentally and be able to work through it. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's something that we all can do, you know, because yeah, we never know what life's going to throw at us, but if we're working on our mental health and our mental strength, then when something does come, we're going to be able to handle it better. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And I think that a, a big theme too, with our guests, I mean, some of the things that have been so hard that people have gone through, but everything does kind of become okay. You know, it's maybe a new okay. And maybe it's not what you had expected or planned or would even wish or hope or whatever. It's just what it's what it is. And then you realize, wow, I got through this or I'm going through this and I'm okay. Yeah. I have bad moments. I have hard times. I have sad things or whatever frustrations, you know, but you are okay. Eventually you will get through it. Yeah. Well, and I think the words that you said, um, as far as like, okay, this is the new normal. Like, that's what I told myself when I, when I woke up, I knew, like I said, that I had made a mistake, but I've seen people go through some of these accidents. You know, you do some of these activities. It's can be, you just, you just see people around you go through accidents. And I knew that it was going to take me at least a year to get back to what my normal was going to be. I didn't know what that was going to look like, but I knew that it was going to take a year. I had people that would reach out to me that had been in accidents that would, you know, confirm that and be like, you just got to keep working through it. But, but being okay with a new normal and trusting yourself is part of that journey too. Like, okay, if things aren't going to go back and look the way that I thought they were going to, then how do I become okay with the new normal? How do I work through that? And you know, that's again, just that mental part, but having conversations with yourself, if it's a conversation with yourself, I have conversations with myself all the time and probably look like an idiot, but (laughs) I have conversations with myself all the time, you know, working through things and writing things down and just getting, getting emotions out, having an outlet. Yeah. Yeah. So you, I know that you mentioned the doctor saying that you wouldn't hike again, but I'm pretty sure you can hike again. Yeah. So So do you, how, where do you feel like you're at with like, what you wish and hope you can do 
I feel like I'm like 95% back to where oh. I'm at. Oh, awesome. You know, I, I think almost every day how lucky I am. I remember actually going on my first hike. It was in Ogden and, um, and I didn't even think about it actually, to be honest with you. I remember going, somebody had said, let's go on a hike. Okay, let's go do this one. And I remember thinking halfway through the hike, he told me I wouldn't hike again. Like I'm here, (laughs) you know, and you know, I knew in walking that my heels haven't given me any problems. So I knew that the frustrating thing when I was hiking, I remember on my first hike coming down, I still didn't have the strength in my leg. So normally, you know, I would step down with my right leg and I couldn't do that. So then I got frustrated. Okay. I need to strengthen my legs, you know? And so that's, that's how I tried to turn it into a positive. I would get frustrated with it. Okay. How, how am I going to fix that and come up Mm. with a plan to fix that? So yeah, I'm, I'm able to do everything that I did. I actually went back to skydiving. Um, so (laughs) So the accident happened in October and I went back and did my first skydive in April and it was, you know, everybody asked me, how did you feel about that? Well, that was, would have been my normal amount of time off because that's like our off season. So I would have taken that normal amount of time off anyway. So I went back and did my April just, okay. For some reason I was thinking last 21. Oh wow. Wow. That is impressive. Yeah. So, um, um, I remember the doctors, I actually had a video of my first skydive and I sent it to my doctors, like, you know, tell them, thank you. I got back to this. And, and I saw my orthopedic shortly after that. And he was like, I never would have thought, he said, when I first saw you, I never would have thought that you would be here. And he said, you've done so well. So, wow. Yeah. Do you, was that like a mental game or challenge to go do that first skydive or did you just feel like I'm ready? I'm going to face it. Yeah. yeah I, I just felt ready. You know, really? I had that question too. And I wasn't scared. You know, I always get a little bit nervous. Like when you get in the plane and you're riding up before you jump out, I always get a little bit nervous. I had a little bit of that, but I wasn't, I wasn't nervous at all. Like doing the jump and it was, I went and did it with friends and And it was good. My friend Brenton that I had jumped with on the accident, she came and jumped with me and it was, yeah, it was kind of a, I don't know, just, it's all come for full circle type thing. Wow. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. That's That's really really cool. cool. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Cause that was one of the first things I'm like, I wonder if she's gone back skydiving. I mean, I read on the, your Facebook page that you had, but I'm like, wow, that's impressive. Yeah. yeah. So I wondered, and then now, I mean, obviously, like you said, you've made, you feel like 95% there and now you're helping others with their health and stuff. Like how did that come about? Cause you're a full-time dental hygienist. I yeah. always say that wrong. <laughs> hygienist. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I said it wrong when I read your bio. That's okay. That's okay. Maybe I should I just thought you were that. saying it with an accent. Sorry. <laughs> I have a little accent from time to time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we could cut this out or maybe not. Cause maybe that will explain. <laughs> I don't know why. Cause it has an I in it. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of people will say the hygienist. Yeah. It's oh, okay. okay. You're not sorry. Anymore. You're not abnormal. <laughs> oh, wow. Well. Okay. Dental as soon hygienist. as I said, I'm like, mm, but oh, well. okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. So I had, I had kind of started my, my own personal fitness journey, nutrition journey had started back in like 2014. So I had kind of been working on my own journey up until that point. I started adding in the nutrition part of it probably a year prior to my accident. And so I had just gotten really involved and knew how good it made me feel. So after my accident, um, that's when I was like, okay, this made, I knew that that was, that's what they kept telling me too in the hospital. Like your, your physical fitness was a huge part of your healing too. 
Um, so, you know, if I hadn't had that muscle, um, then I wouldn't have been able to move my body as, as well in the hospital, even though it wasn't that great, I wouldn't have been able to move as well as I could. So, um, it was, I started working on my nutrition certification. I think it was the fall a a year after my accident. So it would have been fall of 2021, um, and got certified and then started working with a local company here in Twin Falls, um, taking on clients and just kind of have built it up from there. I kind of went out on my own in October of 2022. Um, and so I'm just working on trying to build that and just helping people become their best selves. I don't, you know, I'm not the person that you need to look like this. You need to be able to do this. I want people to work, you know, get to a point where they feel good with themselves, that they trust themselves and, you know, that's my goal. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. cool. Cause I, you know, I think they intertwine obviously the physical and the mental right. health. And so if someone can feel confident physically, they can be more confident mentally and vice versa. Yeah. yeah. They're in the mental space to become strong physically. And it's, I think it's such a cool part of your story that you are so physically and mentally ready for this to happen. Yeah. Like not that you wanted it to, not <laughs> that, you know, but that it did. And so yeah. that's what got you through so quickly and healing and now you're giving other people this these life kind of yeah. skills I hope so. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and I, I think it's so. cool that your clients can think like wow I mean look to you for motivation because you've been through something so hard and come back you know yeah. so I'm sure that's really motivating it's, it's, for them it takes a lot to rebuild I remember I actually uh went back to the gym on that leg crutch that I told you guys about I went back to the gym January of 2021 on a leg crutch <laughs> and started working out. And wow, I was like, is. okay, I got to rebuild this muscle because I know that's, that's what's going to get me where I want to be. So, you know, that was a journey too. And it was frustrating. I remember trying to do all those things and like calling my dad and being like, okay, I'm back at the gym, but this is hard. <laughs> it's hard mm, to build yeah. muscle, but I was determined. I know it's just interesting to too it. because all your injuries were bones, and bones heal, but they take time with a lot of them with no movement. Yeah, and so then the muscle was like, but you're like knowing that the muscle needs to be strong, so <laughs> yeah. you can get. Yeah, back I to remember taking a brace off and... my left leg for the first time in the care center, and like my skin was just hanging. My muscle, you know, like it had <laughs> yeah, without having so your atrophied, and I was like, oh. That looks so oh, bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh. The skills to build it all back. Yeah. So. yeah. And so quickly, like to think about it was only two and a half, not even yeah. two and a half years ago. Yeah. That's you know, crazy. I definitely, I don't, I know that I don't have the strength and I like some of the balance on my right side is, so that's why I say 95%. I still have to work on that. Um, but it'll get there, you yeah. know, and if it doesn't, I'm still able to do the things that I want to do right now. So <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that's super. That's so great. Yeah, it's really cool. All right. Well, we, yeah, did you have a quote? Sometimes we like to ask our guests if they have like a favorite quote or something that brought them inspiration Um, either now or during the time. You know, I found a quote during the time that um, when I was in the hospital, I'm going to read it to you. I pulled it up because it is, it was huge for me. Um, It's the person's name is L.R. Nost. And it says, life is amazing and it's awful. And in between the amazing and the awful, it's ordinary and mundane and routine. You know, that's, that's all the things that we go to, right? The ordinary mundane routine. And then it says, breathe in the amazing, 
hold on through the awful and relax and exhale during the ordinary. That's just living a heartbreaking, soul healing, amazing, ordinary life. And it's breathtakingly beautiful. I love that. That so. is one of the things that I read on your Facebook page. Yeah. And I was like, I hope she brings this up. If yeah. she doesn't, I'm going yeah. to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it was so good. So That's great. Now I follow still that. Still my favorite. That I know. I started Instagram. following her too. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I yeah. I think that. that. And it's just true. I mean, that is part of life. It's the suffering. It's the joy. It's yeah. the beauty. It's yeah. the heartache. It's yeah. the mundane. I mean, we, none of us can escape any of those things. Yeah. The other part that I think has been huge for me is like what I learned from the whole accident and prior for the mental is that you can learn something from every situation that you're in, you know, no matter whatever situation that you're in, that you can learn something, look at the, look at every situation and decipher what you can learn from that and use it to move forward. So, um, you know, for me, it was, it's okay to turn to others and, and ask them for help. That's okay. That doesn't mean that you're this weak person. It just means that you might need a little bit of a boost. You know, again, that's what I tell all my clients. I'm like, if you need somebody to just event, call me, find that person that if it's just venting to call them, like if it's a, if you need a person to, I need to go on a walk, come with me. I need somebody to just come and sit with me, you know, find, find that. Um, and then cherish those people that truly stand by you through no matter what. I think that was another big thing that I learned is, you know, going through something, you learn the people that are truly there when they say they'll be there and yeah. cherish those people. You know, like my mom, she dropped everything. I, I know that that's what moms do, but my mom dropped everything to be there. My dad dropped everything and drove 12 hours, you know, 24 hours every every other week to come in wow. and be with me. My sister was my advocate with nurses and doctors and making sure that everything was happening how it was supposed to be. And then my kids, those are the people that I was fighting for to get home and be with them. So, um, I don't know. That was, yeah, I don't know. Just learning. That was huge yeah. to me. I, I, I heard something once that stuck with me too, that said I had to learn to love the thing that I hated the most. And that was huge yeah. too. like, learn to love the thing you let that motivate you. The, if you hate something, learn to love that and work through it. And anyway, hmm. yeah, that's beautiful. So yeah, that's really good to think all about. of the hard situations in my life. I've learned something the most. So, you know, my relationship that ended, that was really hard. I wouldn't go back and change it because I learned so much about myself and about life in that situation, this, this accident that happened, I learned so much. I learned what I can withstand, what your body can withstand, but I learned so much. So that's what I, that's what I try and move forward and teach people around me. Like, you know, my daughter, she's 22, she's growing up and, and that's what I, okay, what can you learn from this situation? You know, what can you take yeah. away from it? And it's, I think as humans, we don't maybe want it to be that way, but if we look about anything we've learned from others, it's usually because they went through something hard and we're learning right. from them. Like we're learning from you right? <laughs> or anything time we've grown in our life. It's during a hard time, but yet we don't want the hard times, but it's amazing. Cause I mean, I think of like these authors and these amazing books of, um, people that have gone through super hard things that I just devour. Cause I want to like right. think, Oh, they're so inspiring and they have so much wisdom and it's cause they went through the hard times right. that they have the wisdom and the things yeah. that they're teaching me. Right. 
that I can learn from them is because of those things. Yeah. Well, then they were willing to share it, you know, mm-hmm. so that we can all learn. I right. The book came to my head, That Unbroken, by the guy that was in the, oh, yeah. he was a prisoner at, um, in sure a World War II oh. camp. And same thing, like if he wouldn't have written that story and shared it, I mean, but I just remember being blown away by that, you know, and things, these things that are unimaginable, like what he went through and what you went through, but to see that like, wow, people can come out on the other side of really hard things. And that's a lot of people do actually like they, they make it through really hard things. Right. So it's yeah. just an awesome example to Our us. Our human so bodies are pretty amazing. Our minds are pretty yeah. amazing. So, yeah. I bet you feel like I could just do anything. <laughs> yeah, <you're> like, <laughs> I don't know about that, but <laughs> yeah. well, really like cool. you think of a, yeah, your accident, like just how many bones you broke yeah. and how like you could have been like, I can't do this. I can't, I can't, you know, give up and maybe it could have been a reason. Right. right. Yeah. But mm-hmm. you fought through mentally and physically and it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's way Thank cool. You. <laughs> well, this has been great and I've loved talking to you and we were really excited yeah. to hear your story. Yeah. yeah. And this is unique. I don't think we've had one yet that was <laughs> like a serious injury like this. So yeah, this yes. is really, well, yeah, I really you. appreciate what you guys are trying to do and giving me the opportunity to share that and hopefully help people like, you know, realize that you can make it through hard things because that's huge. So I think yeah. that you guys yeah. are putting it out there on a platform is really amazing too. Oh, it's been a cool experience. Yeah. So yeah, I'm sure you guys, yeah, I've listened to it and you guys have had some people that have had some really great experiences. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Yeah. It's yeah. been really fun. Or really great insights, I guess. Not maybe not great experiences, but really great insights. Yeah. But they're insights yeah. after. Yeah. Yeah. Both. Right. Okay. Well, at the end we always ask, how do you find beauty after going through this transition in your life? Um, I feel like finding the beauty is just doing that, helping others, you know, find their own full potential, whatever that looks like for them. So just like we've talked, you don't want somebody else to have to go through some big harrowing accident or some big ordeal that breaks them, but just helping others to find, find whatever it is. Let's dig deep and find what, what we can we find in you that's going to motivate you because everybody's experience is so personal and so different and so unique. So, um, but recognize that there is beauty on the other side of hardship. Hmm. Yeah, that's so. cool. And then you get to do that every day now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Job. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe we could, um, share. So what is your like social media? Do you want people to follow you and yeah, that'd be great. You for your fitness um, and stuff? My, my, both of my social medias are just under my name. I think my Instagram is Janet Mumford 23. Um, and my Facebook is just Janet Mumford. Um, both, none of them are private, so they can go on and, and check things okay, out. Okay, great. There. And I'll link to that. So anyone that's listening that, you yeah. know, if you don't remember it right off the top of your head or anything, you can go to our Instagram page and Facebook page and easily link over to Janet. And, and even on the podcast description, actually, I always will link, link. to it. Yeah. Yeah. So. I will just say one other quick thing is, yes. yeah. um, I think that it's important for people to know, sorry, is just. Like one thing that I found for me too is just living a more intentional life. Mm. Um, that's one thing that came out of it for me. Like everything is very intentional. I don't like necessarily focusing on the, on the negative. So I'll look for the positive and then just remembering, you know, everybody has this cliche saying of life is short, but it really is. <laughs> life yeah. is so short. So, you know, live the intentional, surround yourself with people that love you and care about you and are your biggest cheerleaders because those are your people you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love I mean, that. 
It's so true though, because you just don't know. <laughs> yep, you never know. <laughs> you want to live intentionally every day. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Okay, well, this is thank awesome. you so much. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. you sharing your story and taking the time. And and I do. I follow you on your Instagram, and I love all your just kind yes. of fitness and nutrition and your yeah. stuff. And it looked like you went somewhere fun recently. Like, was that in Mexico? I went to Mexico. I was able to go there for three weeks. It was amazing. Oh, that's, <laughs> oh, that's what I want right now. Nice. What part was <laughs> yeah. it? It was uh, the southern. It was uh, Puerto Escondido, which is mm-hmm. south of Puerto Vallarta on the Pacific side, kind of closer down, closer to Guatemala. Oh, that's so, awesome. ironically enough, we we went for a skydiving boogie. I didn't jump, but <laughs> I went oh. with a bunch of friends that went there to go skydiving. So, yeah. Oh, oh that's, that's really fun. Yeah, that's oh, awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. So that looked, yeah, beautiful. I'm like, what a good setting to do a yeah. workout. Yeah, I wish yeah. I was still there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this cold weather yeah. is rough. But... And you've had like some really awesome tips and stuff. So anyone listening, follow Janet. She has a lot of motivation and everything, inspiration. Yeah. Thank so. you. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this conversation and would love if you subscribe to the podcast and followed along as we continue hearing more inspiring stories. You can also follow us on Instagram at beautiful shifts podcast, where we will post updates with our latest interviews. We'd like to thank the band We the Lion for giving us permission to use their beautiful song move along for our podcast. Take a minute to listen to the song and the lyrics and enjoy. I find a way to know myself All my thoughts are mine again And begin to understand where to go Now it's time to move along Now it's time to move along Take this journey as my own Feel the strength right in my bones All I want is to believe Life is my own Life is my own I'll start again, the mind is free now I can feel I'll take a chance, I won't be wrong Now it's time